It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. I once again welcome you to another Estate Planning Essentials program. My name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWM Radio, and I'm sitting with my co-host, my attorney, my friend, who should be at least your attorney. I don't know about being your friend, but at least have someone um, review and perhaps manage your estate planning, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to do this program once again. I've lost count as to how many we have done together, and uh, but I know since we started doing these phone, these call, these programs over the phone the last year and a half when the virus kicked in, that would make it um, 52 and then another 25. So we've probably done 70, 80 programs, it looks like, since the COVID kicked in last February or March of 2020. Well, I look forward to going back to the radio station. Uh, you know, it'll be a lot its a lot more fun to do at the radio show and see you personally. Uh, but uh, it is what it is, and we're just mm-hmm. trying to do things uh, as we go along to be safe, and uh, we want to make sure everybody's safe. And uh, so we just do as we can at this time. Yes, we do all have to cope and prepare for everything and anything these days. Um when we finally get back to the radio station, I'll prepare you because I'll probably bring my dog Oreo with me, and he'll sit quietly in the room as we record our our program and do our show. But you may get to meet the, the famous German Schnauzer named Oreo one of these days. Well, I'm sure he'll have a lot of good questions, and um, but I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just hope his bark is bigger than his bite. Exactly. Well, better than mine for sure. Um, but I'll you'll have to endure me a little bit longer. Um, but uh, I'll work on him and, and get him some training so that he can take over eventually. But uh, thank you for that, and um, thank you for the education we're about to receive on estate planning. And we talked before the program as usual, and uh, with the Alzheimer's Walk coming up on November the 6th, which is um, very important to you and me. It's near and dear to our hearts, although I don't really have anybody in my life who's experienced dementia. You do. Uh, and um, so... It's that much more important to you that you provide exposure to this insidious disease and people realize that not only is there such a a vast problem, but cures are also on the horizon, which is exciting. So, Michael, let's talk about dementia preparation. Maybe tell the audience a little bit about what the difference is between dementia and Alzheimer's and other factors. There's lots of different forms of dementia, ranging from Lewy body's disease to Alzheimer's to uh, there, there's so many different types that uh, some is alcohol or de- uh, induced in de- dementia. There's all sorts of different types. But I think the important thing to note is that, and it could be something that's happened from who knows, uh, you know, maybe with people who got COVID, maybe there could be something there. We don't know what the future might hold, but whatever it may be, 
uh, we do know that we should probably plan for the worst. Uh, as people continue to age and live longer, there's more likelihood of some sort of disability. And quite frankly, the most common thing is some sort of dementia as people age. And so if that's the case, then we need to make sure our documents are in place, or at least, it, and, and then you say, which documents? And it really, a lot of times, it'll depend upon what the story is. And, you know, if it's the early stages of dementia, if somebody's not, a, you know, is it something that's accelerating uh, quickly? Is it somebody who's uh, early onset dementia that's often uh, progresses quicker? Uh, is it something that, you know, a lot of times we have to look at life expectancy, uh, lots of different things, a lot of different factors that, at least from the attorney's standpoint, that we ask about, and how bad are they? Can we can we even prepare documents if they're uh, if they're too far gone? The answer is no, and so we want to make sure uh, that there's sufficient mental capacity to execute whatever documents that need to be signed in case bad things happen. Right. Remember a couple, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, the unfortunate story where the uh, husband had some sort of simple will that said everything to his wife. And uh, unfortunately, she had dementia and was living in a nursing home. She was, uh, you know, she wasn't even in early stages. And so she did, no longer had the capacity to execute any kind of documents. And he didn't um, have, uh, she did not, he did, she did not have a power of attorney. And so the assets went to her but nobody had access to the assets. It was in her individual name. And so the kids could not pay for her care quickly with her own funds uh, unless they went to court to seek guardianship, which is expensive and a time-consuming process. So a lot of times, uh, one of, maybe one of the more powerful documents that you can have that everybody should have. I had my daughters, I've told you before on the show, when my daughter's turned 18, and I have one daughter who's 18 and one's 23, um, sign all the basic documents that everybody should have mm-hmm. when they turned 18. Of course, I think they would rather have had a car, but that's sure. a different story. <laughs> <laughs> but I told them it's kept, it keeps on giving. I don't Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, a, a, a maybe even more important than the will, when somebody has dementia, we need a financial power of attorney, a financial power of attorney that can handle uh, your dealing with your assets or uh, executing agreements, signing agreements before, you know, let's say you had to go in some sort of facility. Who has the authority to sign the contract if you lack capacity? You need a power of attorney that gives you that ability. Or let's say somebody had to apply for Medicaid you, uh, or be recertified for Medicaid, which helps pay for cost of care then we need uh, somebody that has the authority to act. Or let's say that you have to create a certain type of trust to get eligible for some sort of benefit or to preserve assets. Well, we need the authority. And most powers of attorney, even if you have a power of attorney, doesn't mean it uh, does everything. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, quite frankly, most of the time, client says, oh, I have a power of attorney. It covers everything. And 90 some odd percent of the time it doesn't, especially uh, so when it deals when you're dealing with uh, long-term care and public benefits. Uh, so it may be good in most situations, but like I'll just tell you that just today alone, I emailed a client 
who had sent me their power of attorney for their mom. I said, yes, you could sell the home with this. However, if it's if the power of attorney is recorded with the county clerk where the property is located uh, to sell, just having a power of attorney doesn't give you the authority to sell real estate unless that power of attorney is recorded in the county where the property is located. So a title company will show that you have the authority. And also, uh, under Texas law, it must be recorded within 10 days of the transaction. Mm-hmm. Of that, the uh, power of attorney uh, might give some powers, but like for Medicaid, there's lots of extra things that we often do, especially if there's going to be a quick need. So sometimes there's a need to create a trust. So if your income is too great, as an example, or Medicaid, why Medicaid and why am I even mentioning this? is a lot of times if you have dementia, first of all, you may need long-term care. Mm-hmm. And if you have long-term care, how many people have long-term care insurance? When I usually ask that question to a group, it's probably less than 10%. And they either have uh, you know, inadequate income for cost of care. So the cost of care, uh, well, it could range five to $10,000 a month. And so when you say, oh, you know, Oh my goodness! I didn't realize how expensive it was for care. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, my own grandmother, uh, she went into a facility at age 85 and lived to about 98. At that time, at that time, and that's been years ago, uh, the average cost of care was 5,000 a month. So if you figured if she lived for 13 years, that's uh, $780,000. So. Most people just don't happen to have that in their pocket and just take it out of their wallet. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so as a result, uh, then you have to say, well, how can I, if you don't have adequate, uh, now, you need a power of attorney whether you are going to get eligibility for long-term care or not, because it could be that you may have to get to somebody's retirement account. You know, retirement accounts are individual retirement accounts. So mm-hmm. let's say uh, even if you're married, your spouse doesn't have a right to get to that money because you don't, unless you have a power of attorney. So if your spouse is incapacitated and or is incompetent, uh, how is somebody going to get to your that person's money to help pay for their care? Well, that's the power of attorney. Similarly, a power of attorney. There's different strategies that often an elder law attorney would use to help uh, accelerate eligibility for the government to help pay for care costs. This is not unusual. People just go within the rules, of course. So the government has different rules, and if you just go by the rules, then you could accelerate eligibility. Just like, uh, to me, it's no different than, you know, how do you save on taxes? Uh, You just go within the rules. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, like on estate planning, uh, often you might have uh, a will that has estate planning language in there to, let's say, double the amount that you could give upon death if you're married uh, without having estate taxes. Or it could be that in your will, uh, if you have somebody who has dementia and does not have long-term care insurance, instead of the will going to that uh, ill spouse of the, uh, the one who has dementia outright, as typically most people have if they're a husband and wife, they say, all to my spouse. Instead, you say, if my spouse is disabled or if they already are disabled, it goes into a trust that doesn't count for Medicaid. So you have what's called a special needs or supplemental needs trust. So if we think that, let's say, that one spouse is dying 
and the other one has dementia, then often what we do is transfer assets from the ill from the one that has dementia uh, to the one that um, uh, maybe is dying, uh, and partition so it'll be their sole and separate property. Therefore, then if the uh, there's no transfer penalty between spouses for Medicaid in Texas. In other words, if you had a uh, hundred thousand dollars and uh, between a husband and wife, if let's say the husband's ill, the husband transfers the hundred thousand dollars to the wife. If if there's if you're single and you applied for Medicaid, you can only have two thousand hmm. dollars. So if I transfer the hundred thousand to the wife, the wife died. The wife's will is probated. The will, the, uh, will says that if my husband survives me, it goes in the trust fund account for Medicaid. So you basically have impoverished the um, the uh, the the spouse with dementia, mm-hmm. but you have a trust for them, and you get the government to help subsidize the cost of care. So one of those that's a common thing that we often do uh, when you have somebody um, uh, that we know that has a disability that may need long-term care, as because there's no transfer penalty between spouses, and it's um, I know there's a lot of information, but uh, for Medicaid, normally if you make a transfer, they have a, what's called a five-year look-back period where they penalize uh, somebody for transferring assets from one person to another. However, that this is an exception to the rules because they look at the assets of both the husband and wife if you should apply for Medicaid. So they say, okay. we don't care whose name it's in. So anyway, sorry to go all over the place, but no. there's lots of information here. Sure. Uh, and so... So if you're if you think that somebody uh, is going to need care, and you think that a well the quote unquote the other spouse may possibly die, then you would do a will with special needs trust and partition the assets. You don't just put the assets in the um, the well the one who's dying's name because that would just that wouldn't be separate property. That would be community property. Just by putting something in one spouse's name alone doesn't really it's still there's still an interest in the property, even though it's in that person's individual name. So uh, anyway, a power of attorney, I apologize for getting back to the power of attorney, but the power of attorney is needed for when you're alive. The will takes place when you die. Uh, so the agent under the power of attorney is going to be able to do some different types of planning uh, for to get eligibility for benefits. So, uh, for example... Uh, they could do different uh, transfer planning sometimes, uh, even though the government says we presume that if you make any transfer, you did it on purpose to get eligible for Medicaid, there are certain things that you could take advantage of. So, for example, uh, let's say there was a grandchild or a great-grandchild. There's an exceptions for uh, certain college education funds if they're under 21 uh, or UTMA accounts, Uniform Transfers to Minors Act accounts. So there's different things that are exceptions to the rules, or if you have a disabled child, or uh, sometimes we just do things that you have you purposely take a penalty and save some money. To do that, the power of attorney has to have the ability to make those transfers and to create trust. And most powers of attorney, like I said, 90% of the powers of attorney do not have those authorities in the documents themselves. Wow. So, so from... Uh, you know, there's a little bit difference between uh, the estate planning and elder law perspectives, because on the uh, estate planning perspective, they're not a lot of times thinking about 
uh, long-term care necessarily, uh, and, and getting governmental benefits. From the elder law attorney's perspective, we we see if people want to, if they have inadequate income or insurance, then we have to consider are we going to want to plan for the government fee of assistance so that all our money is not dissipated for the, either the surviving spouse uh, or family. Now, that's a personal decision. It's not a right or wrong. Everybody's different. Sure. And again, different than tax law. Uh, you just, you just, you, on planning, you just see what the what's important to the client, and tell them here's another tool in the toolbox. You could use this if this is something that's important to you, and then you let the client make the decision of what's best for them. Okay. But a power very maybe more more important than anything. And the problem too is if you lack capacity, you can't sign it. So you have to do it early enough while there's still capacity. A lot of times we get a doctor to sign an affidavit when we're not sure if there's enough capacity or not. So yeah. <laughs> that's all. That's a boatload of information, and it's pretty startling, to say the least. Uh, Michael has a, a lot more information about this. As you could tell, there's a lot to uh, explain to the audience how it works, what your options are, how power of attorneys can be very helpful. Sometimes they're not complete. Um, sometimes people don't realize what they can and can't do. And this is why you should attend Michael's next workshop to understand all of your options, uh, whether, again, while you're alive or after you've passed away. And Michael's next workshop, which is online, which is a Zoom workshop, it's not in person, is on Tuesday, September the 21st at 1 p.m. And Michael, these workshops, we've been doing these for years. So once again, just to be safe, tell the audience what goes on at these workshops. Well, we ask people what they want to know. It could be on anything. It could be about, oh, it could be what's the latest on the tax laws that are happening in Congress. Or it could be uh, something about, oh, like things like we talked about today. Uh, it could be about wills or powers of attorney. Or it could be about trust and various types of trust. And maybe we'll talk about that in the second half of our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of different types of trust. There's lots of different things on planning. And we just ask people what they want to know. And every workshop is different because we don't know what the questions are going to be until they're asked at that time of that workshop, which is free. Uh, And all you have to do to go to those free estate planning essentials workshops is to call 214-720-0102 or sign up online at Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, lawyer.com, Dallas Elder lawyer.com or again call that 214-720-0102 and for those two it's a two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop Uh, we just ask you what you want to know you're going to learn something from not only what your questions might be but what other people's questions are we will have a, a presentation to give some general knowledge but a lot most of the time or a good portion of the time will be the questions that people ask and we just answer those questions. Even if you don't ask your questions and you go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, then we give you the opportunity for another free meeting, another one-hour free meeting uh, where we could go over your individual situation in more depth. If you have estate planning documents, we'll look at it. We'll see what they say and see if you're covered or not. Again, it's no obligation. So basically, you get three free hours of legal education on questions on planning, that whatever it is that you want to know about state planning or perhaps public benefits, as we've talked about today, Great. all you have to do is call that number. 
Yeah, that 214-720-0102 number. Excellent. We all know it by heart. Three free hours. Three free. So That's sign up today. To yeah, exactly. Three free. Um, but uh, having said all that, Michael, there are various trusts for people to consider regarding this situation. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different types of trust. And, like, for example, let's say that somebody had the beginnings of dementia that we thought that um, we wanted to protect, but it may be, you know, maybe five years from now that somebody was going to need care. We want them to stay at home as long as possible. We think we could take care of them, uh, and but we want to protect the assets from counting as an asset for Medicaid. So, in other words, the government won't pay for that long-term care unless you – they look at your assets and your income and things like that. They also look to see if you made transfers to see if you did it on purpose, reduce your assets, that is, to get eligible for public benefits. There are, there, if, if you have enough assets that we wanted to protect, one thing that sometimes people do is create a certain type of trust where for tax purposes it's still the clients, but for Medicaid's it's not, but it is subject to a five-year look back. Uh, but it doesn't have the government as a remainder beneficiary Whereas if you were, let's say, under 65 and you wanted to, um, you had some sort of disability and you wanted to get public benefits, you could do a different type of trust, a trust that doesn't count. However, there would be a payback provision. Of course, if there's a trust, uh, there's different types of special needs trust uh, besides the one I just mentioned, uh, which is the one where if you're under 65, you could put your countable assets, not all assets, your countable assets into a trust so it doesn't count for Medicaid, but it's used for your benefit, uh, then there are, if you know, the better thing is, let's say you had somebody who's a beneficiary that's disabled, the better thing would be for the, let's say, parent or the spouse or whomever to create a special needs trust in their own estate planning documents. Uh, and which estate planning documents depends upon the situation. Sometimes people use wills. Some people, times people use trust. So there's different types of trust. It could be, let's say, we weren't even concerned about Medicaid. Let's say uh, we're just concerned about disability. We want somebody else to be in charge. So a lot of times people have the most common type of trust, which is a revocable living trust where you could always revoke or amend. So the person with dementia, early stages, uh, might establish a trust. Maybe they're married. They put their assets in the trust so that they could avoid guardianship besides avoiding probate. In other words, you don't have to go to court to deal with the uh, how do you spend the money. Uh, remember in the case that I talked to you about at the very beginning of the show where the uh, wife inherited from the husband, but she had no power of attorney. Because there was no power of attorney and because she now lacks capacity, the kids are going to seek guardianship over her, which mm. means another attorney involved, yeah. and which means uh, time delays, and you have to do what the court tells you is okay as opposed to what the power of attorney might say. So it's all sorts of different types of problems, which could have been avoided with simple planning. So the so we now know that there's different types of trust that could be done, uh, whether and it just really depends on the situation. Uh, if your income is too great, there's an income only trust uh, that you could create a qualified income trust. So there's lot. Yeah, I always think if I look outside and I see all these cars in the parking lot, uh, I th I'd say, well, there's probably as many trusts as our cars or different types of cars in the parking lot. Hmm. Wow. Well. So yeah, so it's not, you know, when people, it's kind of like saying, oh, there's one power of attorney in the world or there's one uh, trust in the world. Uh, that's not correct uh, to the uh, 
estate planning attorney or the elder law attorney. There's lots of different types of trust. There's lots of different options in a power of attorney that you could have, ranging from, uh, you know, doing transfer planning, creating trust. So you don't usually have that in a standard power of attorney. That's what's considered a hot power, additional powers that you could do if it's provided in the power of attorney and if you choose that option. Uh, if you don't choose that option, then you can't do those things because they are pretty power, powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this, you're going to have to choose somebody that you trust. Of course, with the power of attorney, you could always revoke it, assuming you have mental capacity. Just like on an ir- a revocable trust, you could always revoke it, assuming you have mental capacity. On an irrevocable trust, you say, oh, I can't make any changes to an irrevocable trust. Well, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. There are ways you can, there's, there's some things that you can change. Uh, even, you could even give somebody the authority to make some changes after you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, even with the will, if you had a will and you said, oh, gee, uh, I give everything to my spouse or child who's disabled, did you know that even if, if you have that will and you screwed up and didn't have a special needs trust, that you could go to court to reform the will to say, oh, I, you know, basically that the deceased would have wanted a special needs trust, but they just didn't do it. So for tax reasons or for Medicaid reasons, you could do that. Uh, so there, so it, you know, but we hope that people would just plan in advance as opposed to having to go through the uh, more time-consuming process and more costly process of a court uh, proceeding. There it is, uh, time and money. Um, and those are key considerations when it comes to estate planning. And Michael has been through this. He's reviewed it. He understands it. Um, you know, he talks about trust, and I always think of the other meaning of trust, and that's the bottom line with Michael Cohen, you can trust him like I have, and you can trust him with all of your state planning or government assistance, in my objective opinion. And uh, Michael will then take that information, uh, and then he'll verify uh, whatever he has to to make certain he's providing you with the best results. I mean, it's all in his head. He gets it. He understands it. He's been doing this for decades now, but he'll still verify to make sure he's doing everything properly, accurately, and currently so that uh, you don't have to worry in the future. That's the good news, and we don't want to worry. We worry enough about life and things around us. We don't need more worrying when it comes to estate planning or um, powers of attorneys or our mental health, especially things like dementia. So attend Michael's next workshop, which is Tuesday, September the 21st at 1 p.m. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102. Go to Dallas Elder, E-L-D-E-R, DallasElderLawyer.com. Our Dallas Elder Lawyer is Michael Cohen, and we thank you for the education today, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, 
Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.